You are listening to From Where I Stand, a podcast produced by St. Charles Barmeo Church, Montgomery Township, New Jersey. For some, it's standing on a subway platform. For others, standing in line at the supermarket checkout. It can be on the best day you've ever had or the worst moment of your life. Or just standing somewhere, anywhere, on an ordinary Wednesday. It's the moment when you realize you are being called to some new choice, to use your life in some new way. Here at St. Charles, we know God calls us. And it's not just at a certain age or stage of life. Sometimes, in the most ordinary moment, we see life, our life, in a different way. And for most, it doesn't happen in church or a religious event. Here each week, we'll share the story of someone who has experienced that call. Their life might be just like yours, or nothing like it. But as you listen, you might find yourself realizing, I've been called too, from where I stand. Hello, I'm Teresa Ledwith Faye, and this is From Where I Stand. I'm very excited to welcome our guest, Judy Moy, to talk about her extraordinary experience of walking the El Camino. Welcome, Judy. Thanks for having me. Well, today we're going to be talking about your faith deepening experience walking the El Camino, but I'd really like to begin talking with you about your early life experiences growing up so that our listeners can have a foundation to the meaning of the El Camino journey for you. Would you share a bit about um, your earlier years? Of course. I was born and grew up Catholic in Newfoundland, Canada. I'm the oldest of three. Our mother passed away of cancer when I was 13 years old. As a result, my dad decided to put my sister and I in a boarding school for girls run by the Sisters of Mercy, and my brother lived with my father. Having been raised in the convent for four years and being taught by the nuns awakened my faith and helped shape who I am today. While at the convent, my father remarried and started a new family, not knowing where we all fit in in this new family. I decided after school to move to Montreal. And as soon as my sister graduated, she joined me there. I met my future husband in Montreal, who was from Trinidad. He was taught by the Holy Ghost Fathers from Ireland and we both shared a deep faith in God. We've been married now for 42 years. We left Montreal and moved to New Jersey in the fall of 1994 and have been members of St. Charles now for 28 years. After our children were raised, my husband and I retired and enjoyed traveling together. However, this Camino adventure, I wanted to do on my own. Well, there's so much in the background that you were willing to share that uh, 
we had an earlier conversation, just you and me, and I know our listeners are going to appreciate so much about the connection as we continue to talk between the experience that you had with the elk, the experience on the El Camino and your background. So thank you so much for sharing uh, so much of, of your experiences growing up. Now, when did you first learn about the El Camino? And for those who aren't aware, would you tell us a bit about what it is? El Camino in Spanish is, uh, in English, is the way. People all over the world walk these historical religious paths as penance for sins or as a simple journey of faith. I walked the Camino de Santiago, which is a 500-mile path from France, Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, across the Pyrenees, through Spain, all the way to Santiago, to the cathedral in Santiago, which houses the remains of the apostle St. James. Christians have been making pilgrimages to the city of Santiago for over a thousand years. People walk for many different reasons. Not all are spiritual. Some people walk for exercise or to enhance their relationships. Uh, some people are at a crossroads. They're retired, maybe recently divorced, or they just don't know if they should change their jobs. So they walk for many different reasons, but my walk was a spiritual one. And um, I first learned about El Camino, the way, when I went to the cinema in Montgomery and watched the movie, The Way, starring Martin Sheen, which is about a father who had a free-spirited son who died on the Camino. The father went to France to collect his son's remains and ended up walking the Camino de Santiago in his memory. Throughout his journey, he was changed and found himself. I did not want the movie to end. I'm telling you, it was there I felt the strong calling that I had to do this pilgrimage. I have always been looking after people, and now I wanted to take time for me and my spirit to be alone and hopefully find myself. I needed to resolve issues from my childhood, forgive people and come to some peaceful place in my own life. My husband was very supportive of me going on the Camino as long as I didn't ask him to go. <laughs> I told him, no problem. God called me, and I knew he would be with me. My faith was strong. Judy, you know, many of us think of doing something significant such as this, but you responded to the calling. That's just amazing to me. And what, what was it like deciding to make this journey? Uh, you know, did you have doubts and fears? Um, was it, an, I know you spoke about how it, it was very distinct after you watched the film, yeah, um, did it deviate at all, or did it was it a straight line for you uh, in making the decision? And again, you know, doubts and fears are something that do keep us from doing some of the things we're called to do. Oh, yes, yes, I I was honestly so inspired by the movie. 
And the decision was made. I just knew this was what I needed to do for myself. A lot of people in that movie uh, changed when they finished their Camino. You saw the change as they walked and the people that he met and became friends with. And I knew I knew I was missing something. Maybe it was God's way of telling me this is the way. The way is the way. There were doubts and fears, of course. It's 500 miles, you know, already. It's daunting. I honestly didn't know if I could do it. And uh, it would probably be embarrassing if I came home and failed after telling everybody I'm going. <laughs> and my fear of getting lost uh, was very real because um, I have a bad sense of direction. All my friends will tell you that. Um, this Camino, you follow a path which is marked with yellow arrows and scallop shells. And I kept telling myself, you'll never know unless you try. The calling was much stronger than the doubts and the fears, I guess. I knew God had been with me throughout my whole life, and he would not leave me now. So I felt okay about that. So it sounds like such a long journey, and you must have had to prepare for it. And I'm also curious, you mentioned the support of your husband and also maybe the teasing of your friends with your uh, not ideal sense of direction. But what kind of um, any other thoughts and, and ideas and reactions that you got from your family and friends about your plan? Were they worried about you? Oh, for sure. They wanted to know why on earth I would do something like this. That was the biggest question. Everyone with their whys. And I said, well, why not? <laughs> so that stopped that. And then, of course, you know, me getting lost. My husband went out and bought me a spotter. I don't a spot. I don't know if you know it's a GPS tracker for anyone who doesn't know what that is. And I had to wear that every day so he knew I was okay and I would arrive at my destination each uh, night. So um, yeah, I was being babysat. <laughs> that's what. That's really wonderful, though, because it, it. I'm sure it gave you a sense of him watching over you a bit and yes. and him a sense that you were okay. Yes. He always knew I made it to my end point every day. Yeah. And I prepared. I, I um, actually, I got in shape. I started uh, at the gym and I got serious about getting a trainer. I worked out almost every day. I started walking and hiking with my backpack in the Sourland mountains and along the canal adding miles each day as I, as I uh, progressed. And I did a lot of research about the journey, you know, like the type of backpack to buy, the poles, the hiking boots. I pur purchased the guidebook and studied the mileage from village to village and then uh, looked for places to stay using uh, booking.com. That was a real godsend. I also watched YouTube videos that other pilgrims had posted to get an understanding of what was ahead of me. Um, so all in all, I think uh, the preparation was easy enough. And uh, I did have the backing and support of family and friends. So I was ready. This podcast focuses on service and calling. And yeah. we've shared that you felt called to make the journey. And did the purpose and reason for the calling change? Um, as you progressed? 
change for the good, I think, because as the reality of the Camino got closer, I looked more inward and became more spiritual before the trip. Weeks before leaving, I was sitting at Mass and listening to Mark's gospel about Jesus telling his disciples to go out into the world and preach. And Father Greg's homily was about pilgrims on a journey. I felt the spirit inside of me being awakened. God was speaking to me. I was going to be walking the path of St. James. Wow. I, it gave me such a strong feeling of calm and peace. I actually couldn't wait to be there alone in the quiet with my thoughts and having the connection with God as I walked. I was looking forward to this trip. And then the journey began, right? What was oh, it like physically, God. emotionally? Was it what you expected? Yeah, the journey uh, began. It was brutal. <laughs> the very first day, straight uphill climb. The Camino takes from you the first week. I learned that. It takes everything, your strength, your willpower, skin from your feet, your tears. But physically, you're walking and hiking 12 to 17 miles through village to village, six to eight hours a day carrying a backpack and poles. So physically, it's taxing. You're staying in hostels with other pilgrims and enjoying dinner at the communal table, sharing our experiences every day, different people. The journey takes a physical toll on your hips, your knees, your feet are all achy, and many tend to blistered feet every day. You walk despite the weather, the rain, the wind, extreme cold and heat. It's difficult to sleep. Staying in hostels, sharing with others, you never have very much privacy. And uh, you ask yourself, when will this Camino end? Now I was dying to get there. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so physically exhausted. Your worries and your fears have nowhere to hide. And they come to the surface where you're forced to address them. And as far as emotionally, you, you do want to quit. And uh, you're mentally tired. Your mind's telling you, go home now. <laughs> but you feel sorry for yourself and break down and cry. And then you're drained. And you ask God for help. And God's there to help you. It's called the spirit of the Camino. It takes over you. You start to feel replenished. I, I have to say, Father Greg usually does a homily and he does it in three distinct parts or stages. The Camino is much in the same way. It's describing the journey in three parts. The first is the physical, because if you can't get through the physical part, you'll never make it to the spiritual part. You're too busy in survival mode. And then you go through the emotional part, you know, and you get over that. And once you hit that spiritual part in the Camino, you're walking on air. Nothing hurts anymore. You've gotten accustomed to everything, and now you have time for just you and your God and just that peace 
and finding everything you went there for. That takes over. So the spirit of the Camino, you were asking me something about people, how they play in the experience. Well, pilgrims, the spirit of the Camino is mirrored in every pilgrim. We're walking on our own way, our own way, yet the simple routine of eat, sleep, walk, repeat, gives the sense that we are all in it together. Meeting others along the way and sharing why we were walking developed some lifelong friendships, a Camino family of sorts. We were all living the same way that became natural without being taught. It is said that when you walk the Camino, you become the Camino, you become the way. Your experience, a much simpler way of life. Judy, you shared with me that there was usually a morning mass that started out <clears throat> in many of the villages and they would even bless the uh, pilgrims. Yes. Oh, Tell us a little bit about that. that. I put that in with my spiritual part of my trip. I encountered God every day working uh, through pilgrims. They would share everything they had. But I'd encounter God attending Mass and receiving the pilgrim blessing. I may have attended 12 Masses, maybe. And two rosaries, a devotion to Santa Maria, which was a big parade and men carrying the statue on this big plank over their heads and bands playing. After This is after the rosary. Visiting churches. Oh my God, these ancient churches in every village were just beautiful in the villages, in the towns, in the uh, cathedrals, in the big cities. All of those you're encountering God. It was just the monasteries I went to visit with the cloisters and the Benedictines and always knowing that God was present changed everything. As you get closer to Santiago, you tell yourself, I don't want my Camino to end. You start to walk slower. <laughs> It's just so different when the spiritual kicks in, you know? Unfortunately, uh, you're getting too close to Santiago at that point. This one day, it was really cold and windy. I had everything from my backpack on my back. I was so cold. It was here that I experienced the most profound feeling of God's love. It honestly overwhelmed me. I still think about that feeling today and could cry in the middle of a pile of rocks and dirt is a wooden pole and an iron cross at the top of this pole. Just the sight of that cross as I was climbing up brought me to my knees. The pilgrims bring a stone from home to leave here, symbolizing you're leaving all your burdens behind. I've never had a spiritual feeling this deep in my life. I felt a change in me. This moment absolutely changed my life for the better. I stayed in this place for over an hour. 
When I stood up to walk down the other side of the mountain, I was as light as a feather. I was no longer sad, my body no longer tired or sore. I was so happy to be alive, grateful. I thank God for my strength, for my forgiveness, and for being with me. I will never forget that day. And then, Judy, is this the tie-in for you with the early, your early experiences with your family and what the El Camino brought to you and totally, what God brought to you? It was totally related to my past. My past caught up to me on the top of that mountain. And when I went down, it was all even. Everything, there was nothing to be sorry for, nothing to be mad about. No more guilt and anger. It was amazing, amazing transformation happened there. If I never even made it to Santiago, that was enough for me. My Camino there was complete. Do you find that you bring that back with you? In what ways do you bring that profound of an experience back with you to your life here in Montgomery? I feel so free, Teresa, totally free. You know, it's, um, it's that peace that's deep inside of you. You know, um, this book, Learning to Pray, I just did a book report or a book report, a book review with a group of girls from the church led by Trish. And they were talking about deep calls to deep. That's what I experienced at Cruz de Ferro without even knowing what I was experiencing until I read that book. And I resurrected that whole experience in our book group meeting. It was incredible, you know. It's all good. There's no, nothing bad now. Everything is okay. Yeah. Just a beautiful sense of peace. Yes, totally. Totally. I I know that the the journey you mentioned that it wasn't easy, but I know you had some serious illness along the way that you even pushed through. Oh darn. Two weeks before Santiago, I had gotten uh, bronchitis and I went to a hospital in Pamferrada, which um, yeah, two weeks from Santiago. After seeing the doctor at the hospital, I was given a prescription and told I needed to rest for a few days. So I went to the pharmacy to have my prescription filled and the line was down the sidewalk. When I got to the front of the line, I was struggling with understanding the pharmacist while she was giving me all these medications. I did not understand Spanish and she did not speak English. I paid and walked out with my drugs not knowing what I was going to be taking or how to take them. While walking over to the town square, I turn around, I get a tap on my shoulder. When I turn around, there's this lady about my age asking in English if I'm okay. And I start to cry telling her what happened. And she said, I know I was a few people behind you in the pharmacy. She said, I can tell you're upset. She said, my name is Joan. I'm a nurse from Maine. 
And if you would join my husband and I for lunch, let me look at your medications and help you sort things out. Oh my gosh, I was so grateful. She was my angel on the Camino. They always say the Camino provides. Well, that was one of my blessings was Joan. And um, then of course I had to figure out now, what are you gonna do? You can't continue, I'm too, not well enough to continue. So with my medications in hand, I decided to stay at a hotel just uh, for a few days to give the meds time to work. This was very challenging for me uh, because now I'm no longer a pilgrim. I feel like I'm a tourist sick in a hotel room. I felt lost and isolated and disconnected. But I knew I could not be around people coughing the way I was. I had uh, many days where I wanted to go home. But here I was at my lowest and the strongest reason now and desire to go home. But I prayed to God for help, and I had no one else to turn to but God. After two days of rest and eating only toast and tea, I felt well enough. My decision was made. I would continue. So I had gotten a taxi to drive me out of the city to the nearest path back on the Camino. I'd never been happier to be walking, seeing other pilgrims and hearing those beautiful words, Buen Camino, as they passed me. And the funny thing is, when I arrived in Santiago, I went to a restaurant to eat and ran into who else but Joan, my angel. I had a second chance to thank Joan, but she didn't recognize me at first. I must have looked pretty bad, I told her in Pamparada, because she didn't know who I was at first, but she said I looked really good, so that was good. <laughs> That's wonderful. You got to see her again. Yes. Judy, could you summarize a little bit now from the standpoint of how in general the El Camino has changed your life and in particular your relationship with God mm -hmm. and the world around you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely deepen my relationship with God, that's for sure. It nourished my life of faith. I know my help comes from God. I learned to take action and spend time with God every day in a quiet place. And I've been doing that now for over five years. God has made me special in ways I make people feel special. Intentionally make sure I'm aware of the people around me and what they need. It must. It was not easy to come back to everyday life after walking 39 days on the Camino. I have to admit, it was very difficult. You know you changed, but everything at home is the same. Since coming back, I've convinced everyone we downsized and gave away everything but our essentials. I'm happy to say I'm a minimalist, I stopped comparing myself to others. There's no longer a need to feel jealous, judgmental. God let me know that I am enough on that trip. Before we end our conversation, I do want to give you a, a moment to share anything more you'd like to with our listeners. Uh, for anyone out there, 
I want you all to know we're all pilgrims on a journey. You don't need to go thousands of miles to walk a Camino. We just have to trust that Jesus will put us on the right path. And if we follow our path with faith towards the life that God has called us to, wonderful gifts will show up unexpectedly. Buen Camino. Judy, I so appreciate you sharing your story with us. You're very welcome, Teresa. Well, our guest today has been Judy Moy. Please join us next time to hear more stories of how others have found their calling. And thank you for listening to From Where I Stand. The C3 Project, Creating a Culture of Calling, is a multi-denominational initiative sponsored by Vibrant Faith and funded by the Lilly Endowment. If you would like to learn more, go to www.barameo.org and click on the C3 Project tab.